Good morning. It's Saturday morning. That means it's time for Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network. Bringing all the great music and interviews to you every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And our first interview of this year is the great blues guitarist, vocalist, Addie Lee. Welcome to Renegade Rock, Addie. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. It's really fun to have you here. I mean, known your name from the Bay Area when I lived there for 26 years, and I was always uh, admired your guitar playing and vocals. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was a fun time. You're, so, you're from Palo Alto then, right? Yes, yes. Born, well, I wasn't born there, but raised there in, uh, in an Eichler right in Palo Alto. <laughs> I know the Eichlers very well. <laughs> yeah. So where were you born, actually? Um, Seattle, Washington, actually. Seattle, all my, wow. All my peeps are from Washington State, so um, my dad and... Did you know the heart? Did you know Anne and Nancy Wilson? I, no, no, my dear. I was like two years old when I moved. <laughs> okay, okay. They were not even born yet. But. Hey, I had to ask. I had to ask. Yeah, I met him several times and hung out backstage. Oh, that's cool. So, what in, you grew up and you did you have a musical family that inspired you to play yeah. music? Oh, my God, did I? Yeah, both parents were jazz musicians. That's how they met in Washington at Washington State, actually. My dad was playing piano. That's cool. That's very cool. It was, it was like one of those romantic things, you know. My dad was playing piano and my mom came up behind him and started singing and and um, boom you know they fell in love but however he was also um, a Hewlett Packard man when they moved to uh, Palo Alto but they were in the jazz scene was that in the Bay Area was that in the Bay Area here uh, yeah Hewlett Packard started in Palo Alto in the garage yes wow those were the days. Yeah, back in those days, back in the days, and my dad was like the pres of industrial design. And, wow. And um, it, was, it was very cool upbringing. He would bring things like, um, like when we were kids, he brought a laser beam home and showed us, you know, how it worked. And he had all these weird, really cool machines because he was the designer. He had to design a new package. He brought home a laser beam? Yes, that was the coolest <laughs> Wow, thing. that is so cool. The kids all came over. It's like, come over and see this magic. You know, he would hold up this piece of glass with all I the, bet. these brown circles on it and then shoot the laser beam through it. And then over on the other side of the room, you'd see in three dimensions, um, Wow, that's crazy. It was so cool, let me tell you. But anyway. So your parents were your musical inspiration then, right? Oh, yeah. I grew up listening to Ella, um, you know, all the greats, all the great piano players, Art Tatum. And my dad would play all the time, and I'd sneak in and listen, you know, quietly listen to him. And the thing that was so, so amazing to me, Mike, was that he was a very emotional, um, I think he was a troubled person, and I could hear it in his music. I could hear it in him when he played, and it always inspired me that someday I'd like to be able to do that, have an outlet for my emotions through music. I mean, what is better than that? Right? Music is the best outlet, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. I mean, it's got me through some really rough times. I, I hear you. And I, I I love your new track, by the way. I've been listening to it all Thanks. I, I've, I wrote it with you in mind when, when we were uh, deciding to do the record, and I, I figured this would be a really good one for you to play on. Oh, isn't that sweet? That is so cool. And it is. It's like, and I want to, I hear slide all over it. So I want to. I want to try a few things, you know. That's what I want to talk to uh, Brandon about is let's not just settle on one track. Let me do you a couple, and then you guys 
pick and choose. Of course, yes. So, you so in your in your early days growing up with your parents, did you go to their gigs with them, or were were you left at home, or no? That was um, that part of their lives was over. My mom started touring in Washington when she was twelve. They had I still have a picture of the band. They were called the Melodiers. Was she the singer? Yeah, she was the lead singer. My aunt, her sister, was the pianist. And oh, I don't think I told you, Don Lanfear is my second cousin, my mom's first cousin. He's a famous uh, saxophone player. I know who that is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he played with. Um, who he played with? Uh, we played with everybody. Oh, the most fun thing that he did though was he was on the apartment uh, recordings with um, Bird. No way, really? Yeah, yeah. When they were playing for to pay their rent, so they had these big. That was a big movie, man. Yeah, well, I don't think he was. I don't think he was mentioned in there. I think there was some bad blood because he was doing um, what's her name? Chat. Uh, God, she wrote that book, My Life in B Flat. Um, it was Bird's wife, and so um, Don was doing Bird for a long time. They were boyfriend girlfriend, and then uh, Charlie was married her. Sounds like a good story, <laughs> Chad. Chad Parker, right? It was Chad Parker. Well, she wrote a book, Chad Parker. She wrote a book called My Life in B Flat. I think it was B Flat. Maybe it was E Flat. <laughs> I don't know these horn players. They're always playing in these weird keys. But anyway, so Don was part of that, and my mom would go to those parties. And, and um, I did get to go to those rehearsals when I was like one and two. She said she would sit me on the piano, and I was fascinated with the drummer. <laughs> so what was the first band you put together or you ever joined or decided that, you know, this is what I really want to do? Oh, wow. Well, it, how it... I guitar home from a pawn store did you take lessons at first at first no i mean i had i was 13 my mom bought this guitar uh at a pawn store for like five bucks and the strings were so old that the bass strings you know the round parts slid up and down on the string because they were broken and so i tried to play that i learned i had one of those baby books i learned all the baby chords e a d and started writing Mel Bay, Mel Bay kind of a Mel Bay I don't even remember probably and then I got interested and I played for probably a year and a half and then I just put it down and then at 15 I picked it up and rock and roll the Beatles everything was going on so um, a neighbor kid knew how to play Chuck Berry and the lead there you go and he, he and he came over and he showed me how to play Chuck the lead, and I would I went nuts. It was like, oh my god, I can do this. Started playing my first bar chords. A couple months later, put a band together. Actually, I was in a few boy bands, but I wanted to put a girls band together, so I put the California girls together. And we were the ones that were working with uh, Michael Clary from KYA at that time and Grant Gibbs from. MGM, and they took us in the studio. That's very cool. And yeah, it was so much fun. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, we're going to do records. So they took us into this little... Were, were, you, were you guys writing your own music, or were you just playing the, the covers of the day? No, we were writing our own music, and so we recorded... Wow, I love it, I love it. <laughs> we recorded a little 45 that had, um, on one side, it had two tracks, you know, like back in the day, and it was the... Um, and it was the other guitar oh the other guitar player you might know was Jody Mooring. That sounds familiar. Yeah, she was in a lot of bands and um she was also horn player 
in uh, Moscow. I'm, anyway, she was a Bay Area gal, and we were all really young, and uh, at that time, about the same age. The Bay Area was a great place to b just nurture music oh. back in those days. I'm glad I got to... I don't know what drove me there, but I'm just glad I showed up. <laughs> really? Isn't that amazing? It was the place to be, really. It was. It was. I mean, look at all the great bands that came out of the Bay Area, Northern California, much more than L.A., I think. You know, I don't know. Well, the thing about the difference, because, you know, when we did, when I was with the other band, from that girl band, I joined what was called the Spelts back then. And it was... They were called what? The Stelts? The, no, the Spelts, like S-V-E-L-T-S, which means thin. Oh, okay. And it was, uh, it was right. the Millington Sisters. And... Um, we um, played all over Sacramento, and I'd take the bus up there on the weekends because I was still in high school, and they were all out of school. So I would have to go on the weekends and, and go up there and play. So that was my second girl band from the California Girls. We disbanded, and then I went up there and joined them. They were they were not, I wouldn't say better, but they played, you know, like major seven chords. They were playing. Um, and this is all high school stuff, right? Yeah, yeah they were playing Motown. And we didn't, my band played rock and roll. We didn't play much. So I started playing that kind of sound. We played rock. I was the rock singer in the band. I did all the rock, all the Janis Joplin and those, those covers. So anyway, um, yeah, so that band, um, then we, we went up to Canada on the road and that was the end of high school. I doubled my classes because I knew I was going to be on the road. So, uh, yeah, hit the road and then, um, God, then that whole thing went down and we ended up in San Jose. Uh, practicing, uh, recording in a milkman studio. He was a milkman in the morning, and he had a studio in um, San Jose. So we, we all moved. <laughs> he got a little bit. We all moved down there. He got a little we were playing. That's when we were wild honey, and we were playing the Bay Area. And we were recording in his studio. Then our then manager took me and got us um, some um, showcases, like the Troub, or we did the Troub. What else did we do? We did some showcases and some uh, record company. Uh, like their warehouses and different places. I don't even know what those places right. were, but I just remember setting up and there would be a crowd of people and we'd play. That's how we did it in those days. It was, and it was exciting. I'm telling you, the Troubadour was the best because we went in there and they said to us, you have 15 minutes. <laughs> we said, okay, and uh, but we got we to gotta set up our gear first. He goes, no, that... No, that includes the gear. <laughs> you got to love it. The People uh, was another band from the Bay Area, and they were in L.A. at the time, and they helped us set up the equipment. We must have set it up in three-packed house. When we got done with the last tune, um, the crowd stood up. This was the most amazing time. They all stood up and cheered and yelled, and they were, they were screaming more. And the guy who had told us 15 minutes and had been so rude, he, um, he said, come on, play more, play more. And we said, you said 15 minutes, we're done. Yeah, that's we it. Got off the, <laughs> we got off the stage. Good for you, good for you. We had serious attitude. We, we got off the stage and walked out. The crowd followed us outside. And I love it, I love it. I that love was it. the night we got our deal because we had a few offers, but... Um, uh, what's his name? Richard Perry, who worked for Warner Brothers. His secretary was in the audience, and 
he had been sent, she had been sent to come and check us out. So she told Richard about us, and then we did another audition for Richard, and then we got signed. But Richard was also great. Wow, he, fantastic! He was also the reason we broke up. But that's a different story. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. And we're talking to Addie Lee, the great uh, female guitarist vocalist. We're going to take a little break and listen to another tune from Addie, and then we'll be right back.
Hi, welcome back to Renegade Rock, and welcome, Eddie. We're back. Keep going on with that story. Go on. Okay, so after after that excitement, oh, so the fun part was, so we hooked up with the Cohen brothers, Herb Cohen, who managed Frank Zappa. Uh, he, I think he had Linda Ronstadt. He had Wildman Fisher. He had. Um, he had everybody. He had, he had all, all the kinds weird of ones. The GTOs, which, yeah. which was girls together outrageously. Um, he had Tim Buckley. Anyway, so we got into that stable uh, of of people. Tim Buckley. Wow. They moved us out here. Uh, I'm out here. Oh, I, I'm in Hollywood now. Okay, so they moved us to, to Hollywood. They got a truck. They paid for everything, and they rented Hedy Lamar's house in the Hollywood Hills for us to live in, and it was right around the corner. You had to go past the Marmont... Um, you were living the dream. The Marmont Hotel where uh, Belushi died. Right, right. Ch- Chateau Marmo- Marmont. 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 Anyway, it was... I remember. It was an interesting time. So we lived there, and then we then we re- uh, we did our rehearsals in the Warner Brothers Sounds lot where they do all the movies, so we got to drive to Warner's, and we played on the all the... You know, sets out there until we got kicked out, of course. Get back in your sound stage. Anyway, that was a blast. That's all pretty, uh, pretty a lot for such a young, young age. We were, we were innocent and young, and um, you know, they they tell they were telling us a lot of stories, and I happened to be in the office with in Herb Cohen's office one day with with our manager, our personal manager, and. Um, he was on the phone with Richard, and Richard kept saying, I want 50% of the girls' uh, publishing <laughs> and our writing, our royalties. And, and he said, well, you can't have them because they've already given 50% to us. And that was uh, Mutt and Herb Cohen. And I was sitting right there. He had uh, Richard on the box, and he said, you know, the, the speaker box. He said, I don't care who I get it from, I'm getting 50%. So I, after that meeting, went back to the uh, the house and I told the girls, I said, Richard wants our publishing, which leaves us with nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did the same thing, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, they try to do that to you. And back then it was worth money. Now it's not because of the streaming. But back then, I mean... I know. They didn't believe me. The girls didn't believe me. They said, I, we don't believe you. Richard came over to the house. He said, that's not. I didn't say that. That's not true. And I said, Richard, you're a liar. I was in the office. I heard you what you said. And he kept lying. He said, no. He said, I didn't say that. I said, you know what? I, I, I can't do this. And he stood. I stood up and I said, I got to quit this band. And he said, do you know who I am? <laughs> when he did the, you know, <laughs> famous line, right? No, that was well. He was. He said, "I could be pr- produced Janis Joplin. I could be produced, but I want to produce you." And la la la. And I said, "You know what? I, I I'm sorry. You know, if you're going to lie at this time in a relationship, it's I, I can't trust you, and I can't believe in that." So you hooked up with with that scene, which led you to other ventures that eventually led you to playing with some pretty famous Chicago blue guys. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, the one I, so I, I got out of that. I moved to the beach in, um, around the Long Beach area. And I started playing with this band, um, six nights a week, just to keep my chops up and play. So I decided what I was going to do. What band was that? So the Rolling, just, I'm going to give you this little caveat because I auditioned for the Rolling Stones, which I don't know if a lot of people know. You did? So, the Stones were in town. Yeah. Wow. The Stones were in, in L.A., and they had, you know, a big L.A. house where they were staying. And my um, my then-manager, um, 
sent a letter to Keith Richards, and it got to him, and that said, you know, I play guitar, la la la. Was this before? Uh, was this after Mick Taylor or before Mick Taylor? This was after when they were. This was before Woody joined. Before Ron Wood joined, right? It okay. was seventy-five. It was seventy-four or seventy-five. I think it was seventy. So he called. And he said, um, come to the, he gave me the address of the LA house, come bring your guitar. And it was like, like I was dying. <laughs> I was like, you wow, be how cool is that? You've got huh? to be kidding. Because it was a pressure, you know? And so, right. and I play a 52 telly. And so I brought my telly and, and, um, played and Keith and, Richards must have loved that. Um, yeah. And he came down the stairs in this total leather outfit and he said, hi, I'm Keith Richards. <laughs> I know. I know, yes. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, really? Uh, but anyway, yeah, I was nervous. And I was sitting on an amp, and I had my guitar plugged in, and I was playing, and he was watching me play. And he said, he said, do you blow before you play? Well, everybody had warned me about, like, sexual stuff, so I didn't know what he, uh, you know. <laughs> it was like, what? wait a minute. So I just said, no. I said, I blow while I play, which was probably the stupidest line I could have ever said, but... I was so <laughs> anyway, there was these. Uh, there were some reporters there. One one chick I know, I can't remember her name, and she and they were all going around saying a chick in the Rolling Stones, a chick in the Rolling Stones, because they all knew why I was there. I mean, the house was like a party house. Everybody was there, and here I am sitting on the same plane. And um, but the main thing was the Rolling Stones. No, that can never happen. Anyway. Um, Keith and I played together. We got along great. It was really fun. And then they wanted me to go to the, uh, to the concert. They were all getting in cars and going. And, um, Bobby Keys was at Sax Players and, and he was in this Mercedes and he was going, come on, Addy, come on, come on, come on. We're going to go. Let's go. Let's go. Rest in peace, Bobby Keys. Yeah. yeah rest and in peace. I said, you know, no, I, I passed. I should have gone, but I passed. You didn't go. You know, I just, no, I just thought, you know what? Well, I didn't know. I was getting in this car with a bunch of people that I didn't know, okay, going to the concert, yeah. and I just wasn't. I don't think I was really brave enough at that time. <laughs> uh, you know, I could kick my ass down the street now for not doing it. But, uh, sure, right. You know, there's a, a college did an article on, on that story for me. I think That's a pretty cool story, though, Addie. That's a pretty cool story. It was a fun experience. So anyway, that was that. And then after that... Um, um, I kicked around and played, and uh, I had made a trip to the Midwest, and I sat in with a band um, that was playing a local club, and I played Give Me Shelter, and um, the crowd really, it was a great reaction. They stood up and, you know, lots of cheering, and anyway, so after that, um, you know, and those things, I mean, that wasn't normal for me you know i didn't expect that so it was it those kinds of things were always uh, monumental in my career because i never expected anything right i mean i always had to work really hard to get where i was going i always i don't know i just didn't expect it and so anyway i, I, talked I can to, relate i can relate <laughs> yeah. believe me i talked to the band afterwards and said you know if i move out here and you know we could do a band you guys you know, want to do that because I need to woodshed. I had done a solo uh, performance at the Blah Blah Cafe in in uh, Hollywood. I'm sure you know the Blah Blah was where um, lots of people wood did woodshedding. It was like the baked potato, but it was on the other side. So I had done um, I had done a, um, a lot of shows at the Blah Blah with other people, and I did one by myself. And so 
unfortunately, all, you know, record people came in and I wasn't ready. And it was, it was like, it was went so fast. I didn't even remember doing the performance. It's like, I can't do this. I can't perform here and have record companies come out. I'm not ready. So I decided after I had jammed with that band and had a good response that I should probably go on the road and woodshed. So that's what I did. I moved to Iowa, if you can believe it, and I had culture shock. Wow. Culture shock from L.A. And they told me I had an L.A. attitude, which I did. And I got over that real fast. <laughs> <laughs> One of my best friends, Craig Erickson, who is a great guitar player, lives in Iowa. And I, I, I love Iowa. I thought it was beautiful. Oh, me too. I really loved it there. It was so cool. And um, I didn't, it wasn't, there were a lot of places where there were lakes and streams and stuff. You know, it wasn't all flat like they say, you know, it's all farmland. It was really... No, Iowa, when you're driving cross-country on 80 and you get through Nebraska, you're like bored out of your mind, right? Because it's so flat. Yeah. And then you hit Iowa and you're like, wow, this is nice. It, yes. And that's exactly what I saw, too. And so I moved there um, and with the band, we called it Charisma with a K. Um, and we woodshedded all over the area and played everywhere. And we did originals and we did, you know, top 40 and... and um, so the manager I had knew the guy who was uh, managing um, Willie Dixon. She had worked with him, I guess, in Iowa at some point. And so... Wow. He's the king, man. Willie came Sp to see me. Spoonful, you shook me. Oh, wow, God, Red Rooster, um, I just want to make yeah, love. Yeah, just everything. Everything. And so Jeez. Willie um, came to see me at this club in Iowa... Um, and because I guess they wanted to book him there, so he came to see the club, see me, and um, I, through his manager, heard later that he wanted to um, produce me. So that's how I got to Chicago. So I had to spend. When I when I was researching your uh, stuff on the internet last year, I came across a TV show that you were on, where where it was some blues show or something. Where, where which show was that? Where they introduced you and you came on and played with somebody? Oh, was it? Um, Do you know what? It, it was um, that that was uh, America's Music, the Blues. It was a series of. Uh, yeah, that was it was cool. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, that was when I came back. That was after Chicago, and BB King was on that show, and so that was fun. Yeah, that was. A, I was going, wow, this is really neat. It's like, where was that done? Well, at? That was done in L.A. Um, on a soundstage, and it was uh, you know a, a big production. They had I think Brownie McGee was there, BB King. Oh um, wow, Paula Kelly who was popular on TV at that time. So did you get to play with Willie Dixon? Did you actually get to jam with Willie Dixon? Well, that that was after that. Oh, God, Willie produced me. I was in a studio every day. So here's what happened. So Willie was producing me, and we were working on the tunes. Lafayette Leak was on keyboard. His son um, was on bass. Oh, gosh, we had a bunch of different uh, guitar players. Went through a few different people. I went through a few drummers. Um because I was still trying to find the right people. Because, you know, coming from L.A. and all those sessions that I did there, because I did a lot of session work and a lot of different things in L.A., but um, and the musicianship was really fine. I mean, it was like always a challenge. And then you come to Chicago, and they're playing three chords, and you're going, oh, my God. So, you know, <laughs> at first I didn't, I, yeah. I didn't want to. 
I didn't want to go there again because I grew up listening when I got into the blues and studied my guitar playing. You know, it was Dwayne Allen. It was Earl Hooker. You know, has you ever seen a one-eyed woman cry? It was, uh, uh, God. Uh, Great songs, yes. Loved Albert King. I want to be your personal manager. So anyway, so when I... That's, I'm a big Howlin' Wolf fan myself, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the blues records I played with, so I knew the blues because that was the way I practiced, you know, guitar. I mean, I loved the solos. So when I got to Chicago, um, so Willie was uh, my producer. We, we were in his studio in Southside every day practicing, and I was playing the local circus. So I went into the Kingston Mines in Chicago, and... Albert was playing there, Albert King. So I had met Albert at the Fillmore when, with the girl band years ago and was backstage with him and we had talked. So his tour bus was out front and he was in it. So I went in. I got to shake his hand once. I was like thrilled. And so, yeah. And so I'm there at the tour bus like going, oh my God, I wonder if I can, if he'll remember me, if I can meet him. So I knocked on the bus door and somebody came and I said um, I met Albert in San Francisco and he was just walking down the, the aisle of the bus and he saw me and he says I remember that letter in <laughs> what do they call it and so I got it reminiscing and talking and he was so nice and so sweet and I said well I brought my guitar with me tonight he said well come on come and sit in with me so I'm no at the Kingston Mines. Oh yeah, this was my introduction into playing the circuit in Chicago. Will so I'm on stage with Albert, and I said my favorite song is "Personal Manager," and we did "Personal Manager," and he let me take the solo. What a thrill! Wow. What a thrill! Are you kidding me? That's so cool. <laughs> so then the owner, then Doc, who was the owner of the mines at that time. Well, he was always the owner. Then when he he got uh, you know he passed away and his son took over. But um, so I started playing the mines all the time and um, built up a really good following there. And I would just sit in with whoever the the artist was. I didn't even have to put a band together. So that was great. And then I started. That's killer. And then so Willie would come in and sit in with me, which was great because that was a big attraction too. Um, people would see, you know, find out that Willie was going to sit in, or they'd come to see me with the hopes that he might sit in. Right. And then you know we did some showcasing. Willie took me to New York, and we showcased at the Bitter End there. Uh, oh, and how exciting for you! What, are, uh, what just fantastic! I mean, my goodness! Oh gosh, Mike, it was so fun. Um, we took back guitar Murphy to New York to play behind me at the bitter end. And he... No way. Mac guitar Murphy. Yeah, he, wow. he, and this was before, you know, the Blues brother. It was just before. Of course, yes, know, yes. And he was so much fun. All these guys. Where I had Billy Branch on the harmonica, who's still doing great things with kids in Chicago. And he's got schools and stuff. And the players were just really wonderful and good people. Um, but anyway, so that was a really exciting time. A lot of stuff happened and... So on the, the tune, I think I got the blues, which uh, Willie wrote. He's singing background with me on that particular. You can hear him That's moaning great. in the back, and it's so amazing because he has this honk, deep, you know, gravelly voice. And, right, yes. Yeah, he's doing this background stuff, and oh, it's just really, really. So, Addie, what are you up to these days? Are you still making music? I know you're going to be guesting on the, the Blindside Blues Band record coming up. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. 
So are you uh, what, are you still involved in music, or have you left the business? Or are you just because we're running out of time? So I want want you to tell the audience what's going on. Well, I'm doing. I'm still writing, and I'm getting ready to do some recording. Actually, to get, I've been writing a lot of songs. I still play. I got into jazz. Um, I build guitars. Great. I build. Um, I'm still a tele player, but I I have all these friggin' archtop guitars that I've been buying and checking out because we don't. Your guitars look beautiful oh, too. They do look. They look great. Thank you. It's the Bitchcaster. You know. Yeah, that's a great name. I love <laughs> thank it. Thank you. Um, so I've got to build a few more of those. I've got some half built ones. So I've just been uh, in in it, but not. Um, let's just not traveling. So. It's, right, right. Which is cool for me because, you know, as you get older, you don't want to go on the road. Sure, uh, I know. It's tough. I, I mean, I'm getting ready to go to Poland, and it's been nine years since I I did a tour, and I have, I, I'm have i in training basically right now. So. Oh, my, man, you are a brave dude. No, anyway, I wish you the best of luck going back on the road. It's it's tough when you're young, and it's even tougher as you get older. But I know. So, Addie, what is your parting words to anybody that wants to get in the business or a budding guitar player, singer, or even just a female artist who is trying to break? What is your advice to them? Uh, just wood, woodshed. Play as much as you can. Listen to you know what you love, and then listen to what you don't love. Try to get your experience. Go on the road. Play with people. Um, don't have a chip on your shoulder. Just you know, s- secretly you can, but you know, you know, watch everybody else <laughs> and and uh, learn. yeah, learn. That's the way to do it. And don't be afraid. This is if you get a shot, take it. Uh, yes, and when your shot comes, be ready for it. Right? Exactly. Woodshot, woodshed until you get your shot, and then take it. Don't don't back down. You know, there's a lot of things that I back down from in my career that I could kick myself for, but. Um, I'm just I'm just glad that I did step up when I did. Hey. No regrets, right? No regrets. Well, Addie Lee, thank you for coming on Renegade Walk. We really appreciate having you here because I've been an uh, admirer of your music and playing for a long time since since I've seen your name in the pink section in the in the Bay Area. You know, all the time, Addie Lee playing somewhere. It's like thank you again, Addie. We appreciate it. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. I'm proud. 
Sharp in my 